Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori. I'm so glad that you're joining us for another episode. I hope you're enjoying the Fight for Your Marriage podcast because we really love producing this content for you all. And right now, we're going to take a couple weeks off of a new episode. And we're doing that because I am not in the same state as my mom today. So we can't record a podcast right now. I'm actually out of state with my daughter who is having surgery today. So if you're listening to this on the day the episode is releasing on Wednesday, I hope that you will um, just pray for us today. It's kind of an emergency surgery she's having done an unexpected illness that's come about. And we would love your prayers. But in the meantime, while we're gone, we wanted to share an episode with you. And this is one of the episodes that we recommend most often. And it's called The Journey to Restoration. You know, a lot of people think that restoration is a quick process, like my marriage is either restored or not restored. But oftentimes for many couples, it is a journey. It sometimes starts as a friendship that's budding again or a dating relationship or a spouse that moves home because of financial issues. All of these things are part of the journey to marriage restoration. And in this episode, we talk with Deanne, who has a restored marriage. Some of you may know Deanne because she worked with us for many years as one of our prayer partners. And she's going to share part of her story and what her journey looked like and share what your journey may look like and ways that you can be open to God writing your story exactly the way it should be written. So I hope this um, is a blessing to you and I hope it's an encouragement to you. Hi, I'm Charlene, and we're here doing a podcast with a very special person that we know, and it's Deanne, who is a prayer intercessor at our office, and she is going to share her testimony, and we are really excited for her to share and encourage you, and I know it's going to bless you abundantly. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this uh, testimony, and we just ask that you would touch all the people that are listening and that you would touch and give them hope and encouragement. And may they believe that you can do anything. Nothing is too hard for resurrecting and healing and restoring and reconciling their hurting or dead marriage. It doesn't matter. God can do anything. And we just give you the praise and the glory. Just anoint us as we share. And we just thank you for Deanne to be able to share this testimony today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Deanne, it's a thrill to have you here to be able to share your testimony to all of our men and women who are praying for marriage restoration because we've known your testimony and I know it's going to benefit many others and so we just are blessed that you came to share today. Well, thank you, Charlene, for inviting me and it's not easy, but I would love to share so that it can help someone else who is going through um, marriage standing or marriage reconciliation and um, it's possible. Amen, it is. Tell us about your dating and when you got married. Uh, were you Christians, and uh, how did that all start? I was raised as a Christian, uh, raised Pentecostal, and my husband's family was basically Catholic, went to church on occasion. They, they weren't very active in the church. And my parents went through divorce when I was in my teens, 
So my family stopped going to church, and then I started taking a wayward path. So as my husband and I met, I was not in a good place with the Lord. We dated for about two years, were having sexual relations, and I ended up getting pregnant. And when we went to the pregnancy center and got the test, we walked outside and I said, I don't want you to marry me because I'm pregnant. And he said, no, I love you and I want to marry you. Amen. So we got married within about two months, month and a half. Um, But that was a very rough start as we were very young. I was 20 and he was 23. So when you started that first year, and the baby was born, how did it go? Well, we lived with my parents, my mom, for about four months, and then we bought our first house as he was a veteran, and we were able to buy a house. That was a good thing. But it was very stressful buying a house in April, having the baby in June. We both worked full-time, so a lot of pressures, a lot of stress, a lot of adjustments, very young with a lot of responsibility. So because we weren't connected to the church, Um, we really didn't know where to turn. So when did you start actually having marriage problems? Would you say that first year was immediate? Definitely the first year. We loved each other, and we were very excited about having our child. And when our daughter was born, um, we did decide to seek out a church, and we started attending um, a local Baptist church, which was kind of in between both of our, our beliefs. And... Then we went on to have our second child two years later. Um, But because of my background with my family and his background, we were totally different. His parents were always married, never divorced. His mom was a full-time housewife and mom of five kids. And his dad worked and basically was in charge, you know, as the head of the household, the way it should be. And my parents being divorced, my mom was a single mom raising five kids. And we saw her struggle and we saw her have to be independent. And my two sisters and I kind of vowed that, we know those vows aren't good, vowed that we would never depend on a man, that we would always be independent. So that was kind of my unknowing underlying attitude in the marriage is that I didn't like my husband telling me what to do or felt he was trying to control me, when in essence, as a Christian woman, I should have been submitted to him and respecting him, but because he felt I didn't respect him, there was a lot of clashing, I guess you could say. And if you think about Ephesians 5, where we say women submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, we don't understand how important that is, and the men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. But unfortunately, if he's not a believer, he doesn't even yet understand that true meaning. And then at the bottom of Ephesians 5, it says, women, respect your husbands. We find out that that's a problem that the women say, what is there to respect? And I don't have anything to to think of. And that's where we have to say, you really need to think of anything. And to start a list and to start thinking of the positives. Did you start crying out to the Lord? How did you progress with your marriage? And I did start crying out to the Lord because I didn't want to be unhappy. I didn't want to argue. Uh, my husband was a very hard worker, worked two jobs. I worked, and 
it just seemed like that's all we did was work, <laughs> work and take care of two kids. And we didn't really have a lot of us time, which is very important. We learned later that we should have had the date nights and we should have, you know, nurtured our relationship. He wasn't real comfortable leaving our children with anyone um, due to his upbringing. So that was, you know, that was a, a, a glitch in our marriage. So I started crying out to the Lord and just praying, and God, I want to get along. And I would tell him, I will never divorce you. I don't care what you say, what you do. And, you know, we just kind of picked at each other's faults instead of showing grace and showing mercy and embracing the good things. We kind of were always criticizing each other. And it just escalated. And he said, well, we're going to end up divorced because you do this. And I said, well, I'm never going to divorce you. I don't care what you do. And it kind of ended up flipping toward the end. And, you know, we have to say right now is that what Deanne is saying, may you take these as nuggets of gold that you do need a date night. You aren't super people that we don't need to keep our love life going and having quiet time or just uh, dinner over uh, talking without children screaming or tugging at you. And, and it's important. And this is something you can start praying for right now is that your husband or wife will pick up the phone and say, I'd like to go out and meet you somewhere, or I'd like to stop by the house and, and watch a movie with you. Pray for God to start moving and tugging at their heart to start to have a relationship, of rebuild your friendship, rebuild your date life, that you can start rebuilding your foundation of marriage restoration. And it starts at the beginning, one brick at a time. And, uh, and that's so important. And we often, and I can say most of everyone I know and talk to, is there's at least one of us that have a critical spirit that we see only the bad and not the good in each other, especially when we're arguing or fighting. And there's got to be one person that's going to step back and be able to say, zip the lips, and where we will not go down that road and we'll hush and pray, and then we'll pray for that. Even if you're divorced, we want to have a transformation a heart transformation for all of you, which you're going to hear from Deanne. But right now, while your spouse is gone, may you learn and ask God to remove that critical spirit so that you do not fight and argue over the phone or when you're picking up the kids or dropping off the children. Uh, because that can you, can, you continue to escalate your issues and the spouse is saying, this is why I'm never coming home. And we don't want that. I'm so glad you brought up that point. It's excellent. And what ultimately happened that led to your divorce? Or, and you can see your marriage spiraling down. Well, things being troubled in our marriage and having been married young with children and all the responsibilities of life um, is, is enough in itself. But we also had issues in the bedroom. And I feel that if things are unhealthy in the bedroom, it's going to affect the entire marriage. Um, my issues were I was inappropriately touched by three extended family members during my teen years. And I think because of that, I had a barrier to sexual um, comfort and, and having the mental to enjoy it. And my husband um, was different. He had many friends, and they would go out, and you know they were a little more promiscuous than I was growing up. 
and one of his love languages was definitely physical touch. And I feel that I was not able to meet those, those needs. And we just had differences in that way in the bedroom. And because that was unhealthy and struggling and everything else, um, he ended up leaving for just a short time. Uh, we would get into spats and he would go to mom's house and, you know, be gone. And he came back and we tried to work it out. And then when he left again and wanted to come back, the enemy truly had hardened my heart. Now that I look back, I can see that the enemy truly hardened my heart. And I said, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to fight. My daughter would come and say, mommy, I don't want daddy to make you cry. I was very sensitive, very emotional. And I just did not want to try at that point. I was, I was done with my marriage. And my husband said, well, let's go to counseling. Let's, let's try to get help. I love you, which is something he very rarely said over the years we were married. Um, I'm not sure why. It's, I guess a lot of men aren't comfortable saying, I love you. Now we say, I love you every time we talk. <laughs> you know, we have found out there are men and women that are raised in a home like I was, that my mother and dad never said, I love you to us kids or to each other that we can hear or remember. I have a relative that says that she never says, I love you to her children because she never heard it from her own parents. There are many men and women, I believe, that have lived a life that they never heard it or did not get it frequently or the hugs. And may I encourage you, if you have that uh, DNA, that you have had that in your life, may you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the agape love for your family members and you start showing and speaking the love, the words and the hugs to your children. And then if you can, when the Lord opens the doorway, that you can say to your spouse, I love you, because that will make a difference in our lives. In fact, may I recommend Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. This is a very good book to work on, to examine your love languages and to understand your wife's or husband's love languages. That is part of getting ready and prepared to be meet their needs and not just our own. So I'm so glad you shared that. So the, your, your children are reacting and now they don't want to see you cry, but now he's loving you and saying, I love you. And now what happens? So because I did not want to work on the marriage and truth being, I started getting attracted to a client at work and my heart was divided. So the enemy started coming in like that sly snake to take my, my affection away from my husband and give me lust of another man. So we ended up selling our house. My children were seven and nine. Uh, it was right after Hurricane Andrew, and it was my children and I had to find an apartment. It was not a great neighborhood. And my husband moved with home with his mom. So the next two years, I was involved in this relationship, this adulterous relationship. My husband was going to divorce care group. He ended up meeting a woman there and started dating her. Well, after two and a half years, everything was spiraling down in my life because I knew I was sinning. I was hiding it from my children. I'd stopped going to church and was just, it was all about me. So as the Lord showed me the end of last year, I was a prodigal. 
You never had considered that prior to that last year. Never saw myself as a prodigal. I thought that my choices were justified because of the issues in our marriage and the lies of the enemy is that, well, I deserve better. I deserve to be happy. And it was all about me during that two and a half years, what I wanted to do, the classes I wanted to take, the dance, the college, just having fun. When the kids went with their dad, I was, you know, having fun with this person, I thought, but ended up suicidal where I sat on that bed one day, my kids were with their dad. And I said, I don't want to do this thing called life anymore. And just thought, how can I end it all? And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, are you going to leave your kids without a mom? And I broke and said, no, God, I love my kids. They're my life. And I don't want to hurt them, but I can't do this anymore. Help me. And that's when the Lord told me, cut it off with him. So I broke up with the boyfriend. And within two weeks, the Lord led me to a church where my kids and I started attending and got connected. And that started my journey to healing and my journey to intimacy with the Lord. God does speak to his children, does yes. he not? Yes. Even in the darkest, darkest of days. And that is what I want everybody to hear, is that even the darkest days when you think it is as black as it can get, cry out to the Lord because he sees and is right there with you. And he will speak to you and direct your steps. And wow, getting back into church and, and seeking the Lord and growing in the Lord, that is a total um, a transformation of God moving in your heart. And that's a huge praise. During this time of transformation and going back into church, were you able to talk to your husband and tell him what has transpired in your heart and life? Yes, he did see a difference in me quite quickly. Because as the Lord really washed me and delivered me from depression, that spirit of heaviness that led to the suicide thoughts, he gave me such a joy, Charlene, the joy of the Lord. I no longer had that gloomy face. I was glowing and shining and smiling. And people would say, what's up with you? You're different. And I would just share Jesus with them and what the Lord did for me. So my husband did notice that. And we invited him to church, and I don't remember how soon after that, but he did come and try the church. Matter of fact, my whole family had been out of church. The Lord used me through that incident. All my family, my brothers, sisters, my parents, everyone ended up coming and joining the same church. So we were all in the same church, worshiping the Lord, growing in the Lord, and my kids and I just started praying for their dad because we really wanted to see him happy. We wanted to see him have what we had. And he started coming, little by little, he started coming to church. So it seems like you're having a huge praise with your husband and all your family members uh, attending church together. What was happening on the other side when you went back home and in your life and his, what was going on? Well, truth being, I really had no desire to be reconciled with him. I came out of a divorced family, and divorce was in my grandparents and, you know, the history. So I, I thought divorce was okay. I did not understand about covenant marriage. My husband was dating another woman for several years and was involved in that relationship when we were inviting him to church. And I was okay with that at the time because I had no desire to reconcile with him. I did not want to go back to where we were. I was afraid 
I didn't want to live that way. And at that time, I did not understand the power of God to change people and that he could restore. So my prayer was just for him and his life to really know the Lord as, as I was coming to know the Lord. But I do believe he saw the Lord blessing me. The Lord made a way for me to buy a house and my business was prospering and just he saw me growing in the Lord. There was one day when the Lord put something on my heart to speak to my husband and I did not know how he was going to react. I was afraid, but I had to be obedient to the Lord. So when I went to pick up a child support check, I said, do you have a minute? I came outside, and I just spoke two sentences that the Lord had me speak. And he said, you don't know how long I've waited to hear that. And he teared up, and I teared up, and we hugged. And I believe that was the beginning of God breaking down those walls of hurt and pain because he never understood how I could just throw him to the side and eliminate him from my life like we never had anything. And when the Lord woke me up and showed me that I had rejected my husband, I had rejected counseling, I had totally discarded him as my husband, that I had that aha moment that we speak about where I said, oh my God, what have I done? And that was when I sat in my apartment sorting out pictures and looking at all the memories and the Lord woke me up to look what you've done. And I had to be accountable. Amen. Amen. I know everyone is going to be wanting to know those two sentences. Do you mind sharing? Well, I don't recall exactly what I said, but the Lord had me say something to the effect of, I was sorry. I apologized to him for hurting him. And I asked him to forgive me for what I had done in not wanting to go to counseling and save our marriage. Because during those first two years, while I was having the affair, he was, he was depressed and he was going to a divorce group to try to get help. Amazing. So after that repentance and apologizing and humbling yourself before your husband, what continued on afterwards? I feel like our hearts were more open toward each other and there was much more peace, not so much tension when the kids would go back and forth. And even when I bought my house, he was so generous in helping me fix up the house and very, very helpful in that way. I believe Well, I know he told me later when we started reconciling that he always loved me, but I never indicated that I had any desire to be back with him, and I think he probably had some fear of rejection again because I did it before, so he never said anything about it. So we would just kind of tease around at times, and we were friendly, but he was still dating other women, and he had his own life. A couple hours north, he bought a house north, and... God was sending people into my path to ask me, do you ever think that you would get back with your husband? One was a pastor. One was my mother. And the last one was um, the director at a pregnancy center that I worked for. And all three of those times I said, no, God hasn't shown me that. God hasn't told me that. But truth being, I never inquired of the Lord. Mm. I never asked him because I didn't want to hear the answer. 
My prayer to God was, I don't want to be alone. I'm lonely. I want a husband. And his gentle, gracious response would always be, I'm protecting you. I'm saving you for the right one. You're my special treasure. And I said, okay, God, I'm not going to ask anymore. So it was quite a few years before I got bold enough to say, Lord, if I'm supposed to remain single the rest of my life, give me the grace to do that. If not, I trust you to choose my husband. I was fasting and praying that January. And about four months later, I started having dreams about my husband and I joking around, flirting around, spending time together. And I would wake up and say, God, what are you doing? I don't want to be with him. And he said to me, he's your husband. You're not getting another husband. He's your only husband. Trust me. God does speak in many different ways, does he not? And I know that many of our men and women have had dreams uh, about their spouses at the most inopportune times. And, and, and God is saying, knock, knock. This is the one that I want you to go back to your original covenant spouse. And it's so amazing and it's so exciting. And also frightening at the same time because you do go back and remember the past and not think of what God's going to do in the future. So after that dream, what transpired in your life to bring you two back together again? Did your heart start softening toward your husband after the Lord had you have that dream? Yes. And he was an usher in the church. So I found myself sitting closer and closer to him, a couple seats away. And I think he noticed that I was getting closer God was really putting him back in my heart and giving me a love as a husband, not just a brotherly love. But the confusing thing was he was still with the other woman. So I went to work after I had that dream and my Christian girlfriend there, I told her about it. I said, but he's with the other woman still. She said, that doesn't matter. Let's pray. So we prayed together that God would remove that other woman from his life and make a way for us to start reconnecting. And that's exactly what God did. Very shortly after, him and the other woman had a falling out, and the Lord prompted me about six months from the dream to call my husband and share with him what was going on in my heart. And I argued and resisted all day long until I got home that night and I had no peace I had to obey. What were you afraid of? What were you thinking he might say to you? I was afraid of being vulnerable. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid that he would get angry with me because of past hurts and pains. So when I called him and shared with him what was going on in my heart and the dreams, and I said, I'm not quite sure what to do with this, and he was silent. And then he said, do you know what hell you put me through? And I said, well, we both had a lot of issues. And I'm not quite sure what to do, but let's just pray about it. He said, okay, we'll just pray about it. And we left it at that. Well, I know that you are being left at a cliffhanger as you've heard this wonderful testimony from Deanne. And so you can tune in next week and hear the conclusion of her story and what God has done in her marriage, I know you won't want to miss it. 
If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.